It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. So uh, thank you all for praying for my voice. For those of you that are uh, streaming or getting this via podcast, my voice has been having some troubles for the past two weeks, but then after, I don't know what that was, like seven or eight hours on Thursday, it had sort of a crisis uh, point, so I've had a few people a little concerned about my voice. Uh, taking the lead in that front is Sandy McConaughey, who is doing whatever she can to get me to be quiet, uh, but I think we're going to try and move forward with Eric speaking again, which I'm very excited about. There's. Uh, Nothing quite like not speaking when you're used to speaking, I guess, as much as I do. So I'm very excited to uh, be here. It's been really, really hard uh, for me to miss out on a few of the things over the weekend, but uh, I'm excited to be back in the saddle. Why don't we pray? Father, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the richness of your presence and your life that you have imparted to us. Lord, I pray that your truth would uh, penetrate uh, every aspect of our life and that we would be overhauled and changed by who you are. Lord, I pray that today would be the greatest day of our lives. Lord, that you would take us by the hand and lead us onward and upward. Lord Jesus, we love you and submit to you with expectation. Amen. So, I'm going to be, throughout the rest of the summer, uh, going through a series uh, called The Muscular Christian. Doesn't that sound uh, extremely exciting? Yes. Yes. I'm glad we're getting some response now. Uh, Yes, it's very exciting. That's that's the sort of title that gets me all stirred up. So, uh, I'm hoping that at least one of you, well, maybe two of you, because I know one person is getting stirred up. But uh, at least two of you are getting stirred up over this. Uh, and so my, my initial one, because I, I, I've laid out this terrain and I sort of skipped to, the, to this topic to start us out, even, even though I originally didn't have this in this order. So uh, this one's called Fortified. And I don't know if any of you have ever heard us teach, less than I teach on fortification, but it's a, it's a very significant uh, theme in our life uh, as far as what God has done in, in, in our ministry, in, in our marriage, in our family. Uh, Leslie was doing a study on Nehemiah, and it was back around 12, 13 years ago. Uh, the reason I say that is because Harper's 12, and this was right as we were just about to get Harper. In fact, it's one of the things that led to us adopting Harper, which is a very, very special part of our life. And uh, when you study Nehemiah, you have walls that are broken down, and you have Nehemiah commissioned by God to come and rebuild walls. But when he comes to rebuild the walls, there is enemy resistance. And one of the things that you're going to recognize in your life is that as you begin to establish a fortified wall about your city, about this Jerusalem, which you are, that's what you are, you're the bride of Christ, and there's supposed to be a wall around the city of Jerusalem. And But as you begin to pursue that, you're going to notice that there is resistance. 
And that shouldn't shock you. Uh, Do not consider it strange, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. That's what it says in scripture, right? And yet we do consider it strange. Isn't that funny? When we're like, God, why, why is this happening to me? We consider it strange when we face trials as opposed to recognizing that this comes with the territory of regaining, ter- regaining ground for the kingdom of heaven. So if you want to side with God, you are siding against an enemy system. And so I do have a subtitle for this one, Fortified, Putting on the Supersuit. Uh, that's sort of intriguing to me. So uh, in Ephesians 6.11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I could lay money on the fact that probably every single one of you in here has heard that scripture before. So what I'm about to introduce to you is not new in that sense, as much as it is uh, bringing out some of the dimension of how God works. Because when you think of an armor, you don't think of a wall. And yet the same concept is true. In other words, as an individual life, we are territory. We are the temple of God. So Ezra comes before Nehemiah, and Ezra rebuilt the temple. And that's what you see in the book of Ezra. And then in Nehemiah, you see the establishment of the wall. Well, you're built as the temple of God. The Holy Spirit moves in. Now you need the Nehemiah. Now you need the one who is going to come and rebuild the walls around it. And so what we see in Ephesians 6.11 is exactly that. Build the wall. Put on the whole armor of God. The Greek word is panoplia, which so it basically is saying put on the panoplia, sorry, that's a hard word to say. Uh, Put on the panoplia, wow, uh, this is a challenge. Put on the panoplia of God. And of course that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. If you've ever heard the word panoply, it will. And panoply is just a really cool word too. It's not monopoly, it's panoply. It's a little easier to say than panoplia. So put on the panoplia of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Panoplia, it comes from two Greek words, which pos and then hoplon. So the entire, all, whole, or complete is pos, and then armor. So it's not just put on the armor of God, it's put on the whole armor, and that's why you'll see it translated that way. But what that is is one word. Panoplia, or we use the word panoply, is the entirety of something. You have been given everything you need for life and godliness. Wear it all. Put it all on. Don't leave anything off. You have been given everything that you need. That's, a, that's what panoply is by definition. And it comes from the Greek. It comes from this word. So the heavenly entrustment. The stones to build the entire wall sound with no gaps, wholly fortified. It's an interesting thought to think that if you were going to rebuild a wall and you didn't have any stones to rebuild it with or bricks, whatever in, in your mind would be the wall material, but we've been given everything we need. So if you're going to rebuild a wall, you actually have everything you need. It's all supplied. And that's it's quite an amazing thought when you begin to think about it. You may not know how to build, but everything you need to build has been given you. Second Peter, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
Everything needed is supplied. So this is called the divine panoply. So whole armor or whole wall, however you want to say it, everything that you need for the protection, the preservation from the enemy and for life inside of those walls. Everything that is required, you have been given. So the divine panoply, the heavenly armor, the super suit. What's your position? See, in Christ, you actually have everything you need. Now, I know this is, this is review. We've gone over this in our training over the past week. You believe it's already been a week? What is going on? So many times over that you would say, well, I think we know this, Eric. And yet, at the same time, you're going to hear this reminded to you over and over and over again because every single one of us needs to wake up every morning and remember the gospel. You have everything that you need. Everything that is required has been given you. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So everything good that you're going to need in this life, it's not going to be withheld. Everything will be supplied. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Everything you need for life and godliness has been supplied. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So we're going to take a little tour of the Ludi living room. Some of you came over for brunch on Sunday, so you at least have, a, have an idea of the Ludi living room. So we have a coffee table in the middle, and then we have, oh, I don't know what it is, four chairs and then a couch around so our, our family is able to sit there so usually all seven of them will sit and I'll pace around it in a circle uh, and that's just sort of how it goes and we have a lot of great uh, memories in there and so we've had a, various illustrations that have come out of our devotional times uh, together and you're going to get two of them today uh, so when I was talking with the kids this is a couple years ago but I was attempting to describe fortification and in the process, bless you, uh, in the process, uh, I don't know if, know if it was bad weather out at the time. I don't know, Hudson or Harper, if you guys remember, but let's just imagine that it is, um, you know, negative 10 and, and blizzard conditions. One of the things about the Ludi House, which is a very special feature, is it is temperature controlled. So I have a little thermometer, thermometer thermostat uh, there on the, the wall, and it actually, you know, I can set the temperature and say I want it to be 68. It will. It'll, it'll be 68. And so as a result, we have this ability to maintain a temperate environment. Do you know that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is what's called temperance? Sometimes it's translated self-control. And yet, that's actually what it is. It's a maintained atmosphere. It doesn't ever get too cold towards God or too warm towards this world. It stays temperate for God. And so the Ludi living room is basically set up the same way. Now imagine that uh, I tell my kids, all right, to maintain this wonderful 68 degrees inside the Ludi home, we need to keep the sliding door shut and all these windows shut. Okay, it's, it's not that big of a request, right? But doesn't that sound like God to us? He's like, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to wall in this life and I do not want you to open it up to any outside influence. I do not want the devil creeping into your life. So to keep him out, close the doors. Everything that you need to quell the fiery darts of the evil one, you have given you a shield of faith. So keep him out. 
So if one of my kids decides to just open the sliding door, what happens? We have a snow drift that begins to build up in our living room. So that which is outside actually ends up inside. A lot of us struggle with understanding how the devil uh, works his wiles in our life. You see, the devil has actually no access into our life unless we legally open up our life. And so, therefore, when we walk in obedience, the devil, I mean, the devil will still do whatever he can to hinder our life, but as far as internal nonsense and the type of stuff that comes in and and destroys our soul, we have a panoply. We have a wall. We have an armor that quells all the fiery darts of the evil one. So, when you open up a sliding door, what happens? Outside air comes in and actually messes up the inside of the looty house. And so if you felt a draft that was coming from the Ludi sliding door, and we were having a discussion as the, the family, it's like, okay, guys, do you feel that draft? Mm-hmm, we feel that draft. What should we do? Well, it's a very simple solution, and that's close the door. If you have an open window, what should you do? You should close the window. I am like a master of sensing drafts. I don't know if any of you are really good at sensing drafts. I don't know if it's just a dad thing. Like once you become a dad, uh, then you become like a draft sensor. And so I'm walking through the house like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a window open. And I'll like follow this draft. And sure enough, it could be open that much in the, you know, the, uh, the guest, not the guest room, the game room. And sure enough, there it is. It's just open a little. But when it's that cold outside and you're trying to keep it warm inside, you can sense that. And the same is true with your conscience. You see, God has given us a thermostat, if you will, internally. When the Holy Spirit moves in, it actually goes, eh, 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 whenever you become too cold towards God or too warm towards this world. Whenever something begins to come in, it actually announces it to you. This is incorrect. And when your conscience is going off, when it's setting off those flares, you need to learn to listen. And so the simple solution to opening up a window and letting cold air in is to close it. And so many of us have open windows and open doors in our life, and what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll walk us through those. And he'll say, how about we close that? You see, you're opening yourself up to the enemy, and let's, let's just close that. Obedience is the opposite of disobedience, right? So what disobedience is going to open you up, whereas obedience is going to close off uh, the enemy. The bowl of peanuts. So I remember we were, I was pacing around the outside uh, of the kids' And I was trying to give them an understanding of grace. So I said, guys, imagine that there's a big bowl of, and I gave some other food. I don't remember what it was. And then I was realizing, you know, I want it to be something that's somewhat difficult to access but is high in protein. Okay, so uh, I chose peanuts. Okay, and, you know, I, I felt good about that ever since. It's, it's been a good decision. Uh, so I said that there's a huge bowl of peanuts And it's sitting in the room. And what's amazing about this bowl of peanuts is it's bottomless. So in other words, if you were hungry, you could come up and get as much of those peanuts as you want. And these peanuts are special peanuts. So for those of you that have a peanut allergy, you wouldn't have an allergy to these peanuts. Okay, I just want you to know that. And, but uh, it's boundless. And so if you need protein to strengthen your muscles, and so just imagine your spiritual man is hungry that God has supplied for us everything that we need for muscular spiritual strength. Everything that we need is supplied, and as much as you want, 
you can get. You ever heard the statement in Galatians, um, what was it, five? Fruit of the Spirit's five, right? Uh, so Galatians five, where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, and against these things, there is no law. And that's an interesting statement. I, I want you to imagine that most, say this is a cliff right here, and it, you know, it, it leads to absolute death, destruction. A lot of us as Christians sort of stare longingly towards the life that we can't live. It's just like, oh boy, wouldn't it be fun to live in sin and to have those types of pleasures that everyone else in the world has? I'm hoping you're not having a lot of these thoughts uh, since you've been at Ellerslie, but it is a weird phenomenon that we will stare longingly over a cliff, you know, because if we go in this direction, we die. So there's all these signs that say, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. It's like, oh, it's just the big bummer is called Christianity. We can't do anything fun. And what we fail to realize is that Christianity is not meant to live in this direction. It's meant to repent and live in this direction. You know what's in this direction? the endless frontier of God's grace, the boundless provision of heaven. This is the treasury of God. So if you were to imagine, remember the mines of Moria in uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring? Okay, so you have this underground cavernous place. Just imagine that that was stocked with shelving all the way up to the, the ceiling and you had some kind of special thing and you could go and get anything off of any shelf and it's stocked full of love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everything you need for life and godliness has been made available to you. You see, what we turn into here is this massive treasury of God. And when we turn this way, did you know that you can go after as much love as you want? You know that there's no law against it? There's all sorts of law in this direction. You can't do anything in this direction. In this direction, there's no law. So you want love? There's no hand slap where God says, hey, you took too much, and then we have to like let out a little uh, that we grabbed a hold of. You, t you want love, you want joy. There is no limit to how much joy you want. You know how many of us are complaining about the life we live, and yet there's like this endless treasury. Everything we need for life and godliness has been supplied, and we're like taking these little amounts instead of going after the fullness of who he is. So you want peace? Unlimited. There's no hand slap. Hey, 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 let go of that. You can't take that much. That's what I was teaching the kids with the bowl of peanuts. It's like, you can come up, fold your shirt like this, and just load it up. And it never goes down. I mean, it's just totally full. And so if you're hungry, spiritually hungry, there is something to take, and it's called grace. That grace will make you strong. This is God's work. He's the one that fills the bowl. It's not something you do, but you still need to participate in taking it. So, you know, a peanut, that's, that's what's funny about a, a peanut is it has a shell. And so, like, for, for me, I have a tendency when I see a peanut to groan a little and go, oh, that's a lot of work. Okay? And I'd rather have them already shelled and have salt on them and be in a bag, right, that I just rip open and then dig my hand into. That's just so much easier. However, God seems to store away his treasury of grace in peanut shells. That's a really good way of saying it, that you have to mine it. I mean, for, for all of us, we have to break open the shell. We have to find the little gems inside, right? And then we have to throw them into our mouth. I mean, this is a lot of work, I know. And then you have to chew. Then you have to swallow. Then you have to agree with it in your stomach. Don't spit it back up. 
And when we do, the strength of God's kingdom enters into us, okay? So, if we were to take a tour of the Ludi living room, there's this huge bowl of peanuts, and there are doors all around. You see, inside of this life, we've been supplied grace, everything we need to be able to live strongly for Jesus Christ. And yet, on the outside wall, it's interesting, but just like the Ludi house, there's all sorts of vulnerability points. You see, as long as I keep those windows and that sliding door shut, everything's fine. 68, nice temperate temperatures, everything's wonderful. But we have a bait, and it's constantly there to slide doors open, slide windows open. Isn't it funny how we behave? It's like, why do we do that? It's like we're strangely attracted. The devil will say, hey, come on, you can't leave this door shut. It's getting a little stuffy in there. And so what God wants to train us to do is to stand firm, to stand sound. The miscarriage, the breaches, and the sacred list. So right around 13 years ago, I think it's, it's around that now, uh, Leslie and I had a miscarriage. And I'd say it ranks up as one of the most difficult things that we've walked through. I don't know. We've walked through a lot of difficult things. But that was, it was a very interesting thing of how, what God did in and through us in that time. And if any of you have ever gone through a miscarriage, it's a hard thing to describe because... I remember when we, I first found out about this little life uh, passing away, and it was six weeks old. I didn't have much of a relationship with it, and I wanted to diminish its value. It's, it's just a self-protective tendency, okay? Because the more you feel or the more you care about it, eh, the more difficulty you have in life, right? And so I found myself subconsciously just wanting to say it's only six weeks old. It's, it's all right. You know, hey, we'll move on. God will uh, turn what the enemy meant for evil into good. You know, all those types of statements as opposed to what I felt like God corrected me on, which is basically like, Eric, I care about this life. And if you're not crying for it, then there's no one here in this earth that is crying. I want someone to be my body and to weep over that which I weep over. And it was a very profound process that I went through of recognizing God's heart for the unborn, of recognizing his burden, that he cares. And so I remember God walking Leslie and I through this, and it was, it was deep, it was profound, but what led out of that was the fact that we realized how many more lives are dying daily and no one cries over them, no one cares for them. And so it wasn't just our miscarried life, but it was all sorts of other lives. And just think about all the abortions that are taking place and no one cares at all about these little lives. And I know in this room we care, but not at the level God cares. And so that was an awakening for me. And you have to recognize that Harper came out of this. In other words, for, for Leslie and I to begin to recognize, it's like, okay, God, I want you to take this heart and I want you to turn it outward. I want it to carry your burdens. So in this time, when we were recognizing that we had a miscarriage, it forces all sorts of evaluation in your life. Uh, you know, Job went through some difficulties, and Job's difficult. Remember, he had Job's friends that came in, and they were sure that it must be Job's fault. You know that the difficult thing that we walk through in every challenge is that sometimes the things we walk through are because of sin in our life, and sometimes. It's not, like the man born blind. Why, why is this man blind? Is it because of the sin of his parents or is it because of his sin? Neither. It's for the revelation of the glory of God. 
Sometimes we go through things that are simply because God wants to reveal his glory, his redemptive power in and through our lives. But we all need to be sensitive to the fact that sometimes we go through things because of sin. And that's what Leslie and I were, were facing in our life. And so I don't want to make any state, global statement in regards to miscarriage. All, all I know is that for Leslie and I, when we were studying scripture, here's something we, we realized is that God, when he starts something, always brings it to completion. So he doesn't miscarry and he doesn't abort. As far as his nature, he doesn't do that. Now, sin loves to hamper the development of life. It loves to cripple the development of life. It loves to miscarry and to abort. And so for us, we're like, God, is there anything in our life that needs to be exposed? Is there anything that we are doing in our life that is opening windows and opening doors? Because we have effects of the outside inside our life. And that led to quite the process. We call it breaches. Now, the breaches sounds like some kind of uh, pants. Uh, I don't know. Is that the old word for pants? Like in the old-fashioned days, like a kid would have his breeches. Uh, what was it? Oh, breeches. Okay. <laughs> it's like that cosmology or cosmetology that we went over the other day. Uh, so... Uh, so for Leslie and I, we call them breaches because that's what it's called when you have a walled city and you have a hole in the wall. It's called a breach in the wall. And so you, have you ever heard of an intercessor? An intercessor is one who makes up the gap or makes up the breach. He's a breach filler. And so that's what an intercessor is, is to hold off the enemy from coming in through a weakness in someone's life. And so when you stand in intercession for someone, you're basically a gap filler. You are actually standing in the position to ward off what the enemy would want to do, even legally do, because there is a very real gap in that life. It's a real weakness. So for us, we actually laid our life before God and said, God, are there breaches in our life? And we want you to be blunt, honest with us. God, search us, try us, know us. We really desire. When you go through situations like this, it's a wonderful ripening time for you in regards to a softness and a sensitivity and a fresh humility before the Spirit of God when you go through a tragedy of any kind. And so we built what we call the sacred list. So a sacred list, that's just our term. There's nothing uh, special about the term. It's not like some biblical term. But we had page after page of little things. Most of them were little things. They weren't big things. They were off our radar. So it's like a whole bunch of slightly cracked windows all over the house. And so it's like, God, why do we have so much chill in our home? Well, let's go through and let me take you through the whole house and let's adjust and start to close all of these windows. And that's what he began to do. And so we had all sorts of things. I, I, I mean, if I were to go through them, I'm, I'm really glad I don't have this list because it's be sort of hard for me to read to you. But I remember one of them was how we handled our rest time. And we would always immediately default to movies. And God was just sort of saying, hey, how about you default to me instead of movies? And it wasn't a statement against movies as if they're evil in and of themselves, but it's a replacement. A lot of us have replacements for God. There's something God wants to do in our life, and we find an alternative to God in that place. It's a form of idolatry is what it is. It's a replacement of God with like a stone statue. And you're like, I wouldn't do that. Well, we do it all the time by taking something that is not God and putting it in a God position in our life. And so there were a whole bunch of those in our life that God was like, what's this doing there? What's this doing here? You see, I wasn't even watching sports at the time. I, 
you know, Leslie didn't really like sports, and so I had, I had sort of given up sports. But whenever I would turn on my computer, like open my browser, it would have some kind of default page, which would have all the sports scores from the day before. So I wasn't watching them, but I could still see all the scores. And then I would just click on the final, uh, a little F with a line under it, it was a link. And I'd go into it, and I could relive the game. I didn't have to watch it, but I could relive the game. And God was sort of like, <clears throat> you could take that time, use it differently. And it was, a, it was a very, very significant time in our lives. And the best way that I could describe it is Leslie and I went from having so much havoc in our life as far as cold winds blowing in and snow drifts on our sofa to suddenly, whew, everything began to be blocked out that was always coming in. I mean, it was profound what began to take place in our life. So we're going to call this the sword and the trowel. If you go uh, to the days of Nehemiah, you're going to recognize with all this enemy attack that was coming in, they needed to build a wall, but they also needed to be ready to defend themselves. So I know many of you know the story, but they actually built a wall, if you could say it this way, with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. In other words, they were ready to build and to establish obedience to God and to build even a stronger life, but also recognizing that they're in enemy territory and the enemy wants to harass them and hamper their forward movement. And so what I call this is the no and the yes. So when the devil comes in, you need to know how to say no to the devil. It's a shield of faith type of thing. If an arrow was flying, then the no is sort of sticking up the shield and going ding and, and knocking it back. In other words, you need to be ready to say no to the devil. So through this time, I remember one of the things that we were dealing with is Leslie's health, not just the miscarriage, but Leslie's health overall was just under a significant attack. And up to that point, I'd always sort of been passive in regards to it. It's like, well, Lord, we just say thank you uh, for all things uh, and even for Leslie's health challenges. Instead of ever responding with any type of vigor to say no that it would always happen when we'd travel and speak too. So here's Leslie trying to stand up for the gospel and she would be so sick she could sometimes hardly get up on stage. And so finally I began to recognize, wait a minute, wait a minute. And so I began to say no to that. And I was rather vigorous, okay? My voice is still a little weak so I'm not showing you my strong no right now. But I remember I started standing for Leslie's health. That was one of the things that was happening right when we were repairing these breaches and doing all this, I was like, no, mm -mm, you will not touch my wife anymore, devil. And you know, that sounds uh, really sweet and nice. You know that in the next 52 days, the reason, I, I know it's 52 days because I counted them because it took 52 days to build the, the wall around uh, Jerusalem uh, in Nehemiah's day. So I was very cognizant of the number 52. In those 52 days immediately following, I had 28 major attacks on my health when I was standing for Leslie's health. And I would come home with these extraordinary stories of what was happening. Uh, and le you know, I'd tell Leslie, it's like, yeah, and the devil hit me with this. He's like, what'd you do? I just said, no, no. Just slammed the door in his face. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just say no. How do you say no? And that's, that's what I was doing. I, when I first started doing it, I would do it with a head jerk. I was like, no, 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 no. Sort of like it's, I'm, I'm a baseball guy and I'm hitting uh, his, his attacks out of the park into home runs. That's what I was doing. I was like, no, no. And I was just slamming. I was, I, was, yeah, I was getting home run after home run. 
And I have, I have some extraordinary stories. I remember one time I was in the gym and I was, I was uh, doing some kind of squat and there was a mirror in front of me. And I remember uh, I pulled a muscle in my neck when I was, when I was squatting. And, it was, oh, and you know, if you've ever been an athlete, never had that happen, you know you're out for multiple weeks uh, when that happens. And so I remember I was growling inside and I looked in the mirror uh, and I was like, no. Uh, I still remember that moment. And I walked out of the gym and didn't miss a beat. In other words, it was, I was totally fine. And so one side is to say no to the devil. The other side is to say yes to God. And so you need to know how to do both and. You see, God is wanting to do something in your life, and just as important as it is to resist the devil, you need to say yes to God. To say just no to the devil and not yes to God is not accomplishing anything. God wants to do things in your life, and sometimes they're difficult things. Sometimes they're trials, tribulations, difficulties that you would naturally want to resist. However, for each one of us, we need to be ready to resist Sanballat, Tobias, and Geshem the Arabian because they're trying to hinder the fortification of the home. But God's saying, hey, I want you to put brick upon brick upon brick upon brick upon brick, and I want you to build this thing strong. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, learning the no, resisting the devil. Now, I, I did, I think it was in our last alumni conference, which I don't know how many of you made that to, because some of you, you're just going through your first semester, so you, I know you didn't, but it, even the advanced. It was a very, very powerful uh, session. It was on spiritual warfare. Uh, and the one before that was spiritual gifts. So we're like covering all these difficult topics uh, in our alumni conferences. I don't know what we're going to do next time. I don't know how we match those. But that would be something I would highly recommend you going through. And I know that I have some online. But one of the things that I've always pointed back to is nature. In other words, one of the things we know about the devil is his nature. And one of the things we know about God is his nature. And so there's certain things that you could just... I mean, I, I'll, I'll just tell you, it's like, I'll say something like classic devil. Mm-hmm. Classic devil. In other words, I could recognize it a mile away. Yep, it has the fragrance of the devil. And then you have classic God. Uh-huh, that's God, all right. And it doesn't always mean that it's easy. It's like, oh, he's pruning me back. He's cutting everything off. Yep, classic God. In other words, he disciplines those he loves. He chastens those. He prunes those he loves so that they can grow more fruit. So it doesn't just mean ease. But there's two different types of pain. One is like concentration camp torture, and the other is like athletic. If you go through athletic pain, what do you know the whole time? It's making you stronger. If you go through you know, torture, what do you know? It's making you weaker. Now, it might make your soul stronger, but it's making your body weaker. And the enemy loves to bring about evil pain. He loves to bring about things that will slice and dice our effectiveness in this life. Whereas God always makes us stronger through every single thing even the enemy intends to do. And so learning how to say yes to God, even when the enemy is getting away with nonsense. It's like, but God, turn what the enemy means for evil into good. So it's always a yes to God, even though it's a no towards the enemy. Learning the yes, turning the gate valve of grace. So I think I've described this to you guys, that when you believe in Christ, you have a pipeline, and it connects you to the heavenlies. Yeah, it's there. And you know how I explain how you could do a twist and it doesn't totally wrap around you, I'm not sure, but I think it swivels at the hip. So if you turn this way, it swivels and does that. See, guys, can't you imagine that? Now, if you did a, a flip, I'm not sure how it works, but I think it flips like it, there's a swivel that goes that way too. But it's, it connects and it's pressurized with pure, unadulterated life, capital L. It's 
grace. It's joy. It's peace. It's love. It's the life of Jesus. And it's made available to us at the cross. And so when we believe in Jesus, we are connected to him. We are one with him. And all that he has is made available to us. All that we need for life and godliness is supplied to us in this pipeline. We never lack. However, there's a gate valve. It's like a steering wheel type of a thing on it. And oftentimes it remains closed. And so instead of actually allowing all of that grace to come into our life, we oftentimes have it closed off. Do we have access to it? Yes. Are we receiving it? Not really. In other words, we're still functioning in our own strength, though we have access to all the fullness of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to be cognizant of that, not just today, but as you move forward, to recognize there's certain things that open the gate valve. Obedience is one of them. When you obey God, that is the surest way to open the gate valve. And like one of my illustrations I've used for many years is that if you ever have that crushing difficulty upon your life, whether it's false accusation, whether it's uh, sufferings of any kind physically, the last thing you want to do is rejoice, okay? You, the last thing you want to do is say yes to God in those moments. And so even though you're resisting the evil and you're resisting the depression, the oppression, the despair, all of those things that are trying to creep in, you need to say yes to rejoicing. You need to say yes to thanksgiving. And so when you do, well, here's, here's the illustration. It says that when you're falsely accused, leap for joy. When you are falsely accused, the last thing you feel like doing is leaping for joy. But when you leap for joy in that moment, it turns the gate valve and in floods the joy of God. In floods the life of God, the buoyancy. It's called the consolation. And it's greater than the difficulty. So whatever difficulty is pressing down upon you, when you go up against it, you open up that gate valve and in flows the life of God Almighty. So, everything you need has been given you. As you are learning to live in this body, I want you to recognize that there are doors that slide and there's windows that slide. And it's very easy to have them a little cattywampus. And when they are cattywampus in disagreement to God's pattern, the enemy will play upon that. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you, say yes. Close those windows, close those sliding doors so that the enemy has no access. God has given you an armor. And he says, put it on. Put on the whole armor, which is the equivalent of saying, close all the windows, close all the sliding doors. He's given you everything you need to quell every fiery dart of the evil one. You live in hostile territory and the evil one does not go away just because you put on an armor. However, your soul, your life internally can be robustly controlled by the spirit of grace, joy, and peace, even if your circumstances are difficulty. And that's pretty special. I want to say that I gave the illustration, maybe it was to the guys, of peace. I think it was. I think it was to the guys. And I was talking about, you know, one of those old uh, uh, archaeological finds, you know, you get like a little critter, like a little bug that's like stuck in resin. And so if we had a, this block of resin and it had a, a bug, a creature inside of it, and we took out a, a big sledgehammer and we hit that resin block, it would bounce all over the room. But what's interesting is the bug would not move. You see, you're in Christ. So therefore, even though there's a sledgehammer that can hit your life, and even though the devil will work his best, if you're in Christ, you're like that little bug in resin. It's called the perfect peace of God. You're unshakable 
though you are in the midst of a storm. And that's the grand privilege of the Christian. We're like eagles. You see, there's, there could be a storm in life, but an eagle has the strength in its wings to rise above the storm and to fly above it where there's perfect peace. Is there a storm? Yes. But there's a difference between being, between being above it and being beneath it. Most of us have spent our life being beneath the storms instead of allowing the grace of God to lift us above the storms. We still have the storms, guys, but we don't need to get drenched in them. So you have all that you need. It's the divine panoply. It's the supersuit of Jesus Christ. I want you to freshly find your life in that and learn how to exercise the no and the yes to see a wall like, Nehemiah, like Nehemiah's wall built strong around your life. Father, I pray that you would be the master builder, and that you would, by your Holy Spirit, lead us in knowing how to properly construct this wall. Lord, if there's anything today that needs to be corrected in us, any open windows or open doors, Lord Jesus, that you are desiring to show us, I pray that you would. And Lord, I pray that we would be sensitive to your Spirit's lead. Lord, teach us the no and teach us the yes. And I pray that you would make us strong for battle. We love you and we trust you. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.